This is the Museum of Creative Human Art, where we continue to inspire the creation of art in underserved communities. I'm Michael Russell, and on today's episode, we have technologist and super creative Adam Drew King. <laughs> Oh, got the applause going too, huh? <laughs> yeah, man. No, that's that's the actual audience, man. We got a live audience over here. <laughs> so, man, we I definitely uh, appreciate you sitting down, man, and having a conversation with me, man. I know it's uh, over the phone. However, uh, we wanted to make sure that we sat down with you, man, because I, when I said super creative, I really mean that, man, because, it, hey, the work speaks for itself. And, I, and I, yeah, we just want to dive in. Um, so kind of give you some context to what, this artist talk is all about. I know that we run across a lot of young folks that are, you know, really interested in tech. And so mm-hmm, with mm-hmm. that being said, we want to make sure that we're able to bring it, draw a connection and be able to point them in the right direction versus to say, Hey, we have all of the answers. So right, right. knowing that we want to be able to sit down with folks like yourself and, and all other folks that are really creative, but they're in different, they're in different lanes. And so, uh, this conversation is is to talk about you and what you're doing currently, uh, but also talk about your journey. You have a lengthy bio, and we couldn't <laughs> we couldn't we couldn't pile that in one episode. However, right. uh, we wanted to focus on digital access, um, and then also whatever you want to kind of talk about. But uh, we'll, we'll kind of jump around. But man, again, I appreciate you uh, coming on and, and and having a conversation with me. Well, yeah, I, I appreciate being invited. Um, number one, you. And, and your partner are two wonderful folks doing amazing things in the community. Um, my kids actually took an art class from you a while ago and have been asking me about a second iteration of that art class ever since. Um, and you and I have known each other for a while, so I, I appreciate you considering me to be a part of the, the journey that you all are going on and happy to share anything that I've done that is worthwhile for other folks uh, to, to listen to as well. Absolutely, absolutely. And those two young young fellas, man, uh, we definitely look forward to uh, actually this summer uh, doing more workshops. Uh, this this uh, institutional residency has really uh, taken a lot of our uh, time. Um, however, mm-hmm. we also we always want to make sure that we are touching uh, in terms of educating and, and just being able to uh, be an inspiration to our young people who are looking for creative outlets. Uh, they have right. a, they have a great dad in their midst, so I know they're good with that kind of support. But it's always good to have a village around to help support that as well. So yeah, man, I Absolutely. appreciate you uh, giving Absolutely. us access to your two young kings. Uh, so man, just uh, just I know that most of the time, man, when I'm having convers when I'm listening to different podcasts, and uh, sometimes I want them to I, I, I lack patience sometimes. I want them to just kind of dive in. Uh, and so okay. with that being said, man, I, uh, I want to treat this like I know, I know nothing. And when I think about the listeners and I think about the young people that were potentially listening to this, uh, we want to talk to them to kind of give them, mm-hmm. uh, not the, the, the big words, the, uh, the, the, the lingo of tech. How do we teach them in such a way that they get it? They're able to grasp it and they're able to at least go and research, go and you may yeah. say a word where they say, you know what, let me go to Google or let me go to brave. Let me go to whatever search engine, uh, you know, they, they, you know, they go to, but look it up themselves. Uh, so this conversation is, is, is going to go to connected Neo. You've developed okay. a company called connected Neo, and it's really about digital uh, equality and autonomy. So 
what made you as a creative person say, hey, I'm going to create this Connect Neo, Connected Neo for the underserved? What was that so all about? It, it, it's kind of the culmination of my, my journey of all the things that I've done. Um, I've been a very privileged uh, individual in terms of my education and the things I've had access to and, and the, the things I've had, things I've been able to play with. Um, and I say play very loosely. Um, I went to a school that had a NASA-funded space shuttle simulator in it when I was in fifth grade. Oh, wow. So that means NASA came, an astronaut came and christened the spatial simulator for us when I was in fifth grade. Wow. Um, and I think about that, and even at the time, it was one of those, why do we have a spatial simulator in our school? We had a brand new computer lab at the time. It was the, the square kind of boxy heavy computers with the green text. But we were playing SimCity. We were playing... Uh, Oregon Trail. We were playing games like that. Wow! In our school computer lab, <laughs> Oregon Trail. Okay, okay. Yeah, but but it's like, okay, why do why do I have this stuff in my school when there are kids that don't have textbooks, let alone current textbooks in their school? So, long story short, the the fact that there are so many haves and have not kind of has always eaten at me, and. If you talk to any of these kids, no matter where they are, the aptitude is there to do any number of things as long as they have the opportunity to. So you hand a kid a phone, any kid, three years old, four years old, five years old, all the way up to whatever, you hand them a phone, they can figure out how to use it without you telling them a thing. Absolutely. You hand them a computer, they can figure out how to use it without telling them a thing. They're on YouTube searching things that you didn't even know existed on the internet. They have the aptitude to do it. They just don't have the opportunity to use that skill and be supported in that skill. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So what Connected Neo is, is a broadband company. So think about AT&T, Spectrum, Verizon, T-Mobile. We're creating a company that can be owned by the people that use it. So if you think about you sign up for AT&T at your house, you are a customer to them. They can decide, oh, well, we're raising our rates oh, well, you, we don't want to serve you anymore so we can take it away. There's an outage. you got to call someone in uh, Columbus and they'll send someone from Akron to come fix you in the next week or so. What Connected Neo is, is that same function, that same capacity, but then you can also buy into the company and be an owner of that company. So imagine not just being a customer, but being an owner. You get to decide where the profits go. If they go to your pocket, if they go to your community, if they go to your neighbors. Instead of calling Columbus to get someone from Akron, you're calling your neighbor because your neighbor is an employee of the company and he knows technology as much as anybody else. So why can't he be the one to get paid to fix the issues? So not just, not just bring access to folks that don't have it. Cleveland is the second most unconnected city in the country. So that means 53,000 households don't have access to the internet. And I'm talking not even phone access. number again? Depending on what census you go by, 53,000 households don't have access to the internet. Wow. Yeah, it's, it's sickening. It's disgusting. So if you think about it, you take away something like access to the internet from kids. You're talking about future doctors, future lawyers, future uh, police officers, future whatever. And it doesn't have to be that they're excellent people. Anybody, everybody should have access to the internet to do whatever they want even if it's just being entertained. If you want to be entertained, everyone deserves entertainment as well as an education. 
So you're taking away that tool that everyone needs for anything in life now. To buy for a job, you need the internet. You need an email address, you need the internet. Um, so think about those kinds of things, not having that in your home. What all can you do with that? What all can you do without it, I guess is a better question. So we're trying to not just give access, but give ownership. So that economic development aspect as well. And any number of studies will show you that when people actually get an economic develop, economic benefit from something, their involvement and engagement in things increases. So if you can, if you and your neighbors can get together and vote on what where profits in a business go, you're more likely to also engage in politics, be involved in who's your elected official, things like that. Yeah, so there's studies behind it as well. So it's not just actually, it's not just economic development. It's encouraging things like social engagement. Um, if you and your neighbors are getting together to decide something, you're less likely to have crimes committed against each other by your neighbors. So there's any number of things involved in it, studies behind it, but yeah, we're, we're trying to develop a company that provides internet access, but also provides uh, economic opportunities with ownership of that company and jobs within that company. And for those listeners out there, he, he said, I would kind of put this in there as well. So he says that loosely when he says trying, because he's actually doing the work. And that, and that's one thing <laughs> that we love that I love about what you're doing is that, you know, it's, it's less talk, but it's actually doing the work it's it's executing. And so, uh, I have to make sure I have to make sure that I preface that. And so knowing everything that you just laid out for everyone, including myself, I, I always I hear this this ongoing project. So when I hear mm-hmm. an ongoing project, I hear there are some obstacles there. There's some pushback. There's some yeah. there's some adversity. And so for some of our young people, we always talk about how there's always this adversary in our lives and it's never going to go anywhere. But mm-hmm. how do we get over? How do we push through? How do we begin to combat that in a way that is productive, constructive, and will get us to our final goal? So for you, knowing that you have this, this ongoing, it's ongoing, these obstacles, how are you, how are you getting through those? For me, it's pretty easy because I, I know what a benefit from what we're doing can create. So I think about the kids that I, I engage with any day of the week that are not my own, but other kids that, that are in the communities that I'm actually trying to work with and work for. I think about that kid that doesn't have access to it right now, but has the, the aptitude to do any number of great things that he wants to do, creating an app starting a business, talking with his friends, like all of those things are, are what I work for and making sure that those folks have that is what motivates me. I can stop and I'm fine. I mean, I, I, I'm, I have skills to allow me to have a job in a minute if I wanted to, but I'd rather do this work because the people that don't have are folks that I'm working for. So that's that motivation for me is AT&T can threaten to sue me all they want. But the people that I'm working for and working with are my motivation to keep going. Wow. So you you heard it from him. And again, the, this is about conversation. So again, for the listener, and I'm also listening and putting myself on mute and listening intently, <laughs> is that I'm doing this for a reason, for the, the next generation, 
for my sons, their generation. Mm-hmm. No matter the pushback, I have to do this for a reason. So for those young people listening, I have this goal. No matter the no matter the adversary, no matter the pushback, no matter what is coming in front of you, if you keep your eyes on that goal, I think you'll you'll, you'll land in 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 a better place. Uh, and so, with that being said, man, I, so I think about a ne- a conversation that we had two weeks ago with some young people, and we were talking about NFTs. And so, mm-hmm. and, and, I, and I told you, we, we'll jump around in this conversation just because that's what we do in a normal conversation. Sometimes we just jump around. And so they were talking about NFTs. And so when I think about NFTs, I think about the lack of access. Yep. So, so how are we talking about NFTs? And there's so many people, and let's just talk about Ohio since we're just here, that are locked out. Yep. who don't have access, how do we have that conversation about NFTs and how you can make money and all these grand, grandeur things, but we don't have access? What's that? What's that? How does that make what What's your thoughts on this NFT world and this metaverse and all these things going on? And, and can you just give us a little perspective on that? Yeah, so that's that's part of the problem is that we can't engage in those things if we don't have access to the internet. And there's a whole economy going on that we have no access to. So things like blockchain, things like cryptocurrency, things like NFTs are all ways to, to have an economy that you need the access to the internet to do. You need that digital connectivity to have access to those things. So it's, it's infuriating to hear all these things going on and all these folks making money. And it's many of the same people that are making money with cash and with credit and with stocks and bonds and things like that. So it's many of the same folks making all that money in these new uh, realms, but there are ways that once you have access, you can generate your own economy. You can create something that you can then sell ownership of to other people. You can create your own blockchain and create your own cryptocurrency. And as long as it's quote unquote marketed the right way, people will buy into it because it's a whole new way to, to generate revenue. All of these things people can do. There's literally nothing to stop someone that doesn't have access to the internet to create new things and generate a revenue and generate an economy off of that. If you and your friends want to barter that way, you can create a, a token. You can create a cryptocurrency that you can then buy and sell like anything else. It's just deciding on the value of that. But none of those things happen without that access. So your phone can do so much, but you need a computer and an actual connection to the internet that you can uh, do all these things with. But yeah, it's, it's infuriating. It's one of those haves and have not things again. And I might sound like a conspiracy theorist, but I, I will always say it's by design. Because if you look at any of the red line uh, maps in Ohio, it's the same maps. So lack of access maps look the same as uh, healthcare maps look the same as uh, educational maps look the same as and all of these other things look the same. So it's, it's infuriating to know that the same people getting uh, disconnected are the same people having to deal with all these other things that, that happen in life as well. Wow. Wow. That, that was, that was a lot, but, but I, I appreciate that. And so you went, you went to a place that made me begin to think about a conversation and I, and I, and I relate that to the conversation that we have in these artist talks, a conversation we were having last week. 
and we were talking about how Ohio, not just not Ohio, let's just say Cleveland. We were talking about mm-hmm. how Cleveland is such a blue collar city that creativity is almost like we don't need that right now. We need manufacturing. We need mm-hmm. we need that that blue collar steel mill. Just we don't need creativity. We I see it gradually changing, and we want to be a part. We're, we're part of that change, but I feel like it's by design. The, the 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 medical industry is by design to push our young people in those directions, and creativity mm-hmm. can kind of we can wait for that. And so when you say by design, I mean I my, my I just cringe because I'm like, how do we? begin to educate our young people in, in such a way that makes them not forget about this creativity that they have, that they have just boiling inside of them. Like you said, sometimes you can put, well, most of the time you could put this device in these young people's hands and they just go for it. They know yeah. what they're doing almost like it's innate. So how do we begin to wrap our arms around them and really show them a way, a new way, and we, and you're doing just that, man. So, I, I mean, I just apl- applaud you for uh, what you're doing. Um, so, another reason, man, why we're having this conversation, man, is that you know I, I saw some I, I saw some through lines in what you're doing when we talk about advocacy, when we talk about empowering, when we talk about innovation, uh, and we talk about equity. That's all. That's what we're about in the arts and fine mm-hmm. art and, and creativity. And we want to make sure that we building community. That's what, you, that's exactly what you're doing. So I find that there's so many folks in Northeastern Ohio that are doing the work, but how do we come together? Why is there such this pushback amongst creatives, amongst, amongst people and not wanting to create community and build now, do you find yeah. that, or do you do you see that? Oh man, everything's kind of going fine where I'm at. Or do you have you seen the same trend? No, that that trend is is not unique. Um, I've absolutely experienced that trend, and it it can be very frustrating as well. Um, I think one of the things that that we struggle with is Cleveland is a relatively small market, so the thinking is if you make it, I can't make it. Or if you make it a little bit, I, I can make it a little bit. I, I only have a little bit left to make it. Man, I wish I had so a bomb. I needed to drop a bomb. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, it's it's that thinking that if you make it, there's only so many chances to make it. So if you make it, you took my chance to make it. And that's one of the reasons I think people are a little bit uh, leery of working together. Um, I don't want to get too political, but I, I do think there's strength in numbers. If you make it, that's a, that's a victory for us. If I make it, that's a victory for us. But if you and I work together, we are, are more likely to succeed because we're stronger together. Um, how we change that, I don't quite know. Um, one of the things that I've been trying to do is, as I'm going forward, I'm informing and letting people know and offering my help to what they're doing and asking for their help with what I'm doing. So I'm, I'm trying to build that community as I'm moving forward. Um, I know I get pushed back some and some say, no, I don't want to help you do that because I'm working on my own thing. And that's fine. But offering those opportunities for people to jump on board and offering your services to help other people go forward in their mission is, I think, 
from my experience, the, the best that we can do at the moment until people feel a little bit more comfortable with where they're at so that they can look to the left and look to the right and see where they're at with other people and, and build that way. Um, the other thing is people tend to uh, be worried about their ideas being quote unquote borrowed a little bit too much. <laughs> okay. um, oh. So the thing is, if I create this thing and I share it with you, you might take it from me and do it. So whether that's legitimate or not, I think there's a little bit of that as well too, especially in the, the uh, more uh, typical arts of the, the fine arts and the creative aspects and the music industry and things like that. I think it's a little bit more open to uh, borrowing ideas for the lack of a better word. Wow. Wow. Okay. Okay. And, that, and that's, I guess that, that's fair for uh, folks to have that thought or that, I would say that fear, that fear is there. Uh, and, and that's fair because we're all human. And I know we all have that, it, it, that quiet voice of fear that can kind mm-hmm. of creep up. And, and, and that's, and that's the reason why I say it's fair because we all have it. I have it. Uh, however, at what point do we cut that off? At what point do we see, okay, it's not about me. It's not self-serving. How do I help the next? Yeah. yeah. It's, it's a tough situation because we're all trying to, to figure it out. And arts especially is such a personal and vulnerable thing. Being creative itself is a, a vulnerable and personal thing that sharing that is hard. Um, being able to put your, yourself into something that you're doing, regardless of what it is, putting yourself into something you're doing and sharing it with the world, it's a very vulnerable situation to be in. Um, the confidence to share is something that I envy in, in all, all people, but especially creatives, because I think it's a little bit more personal with creatives than it is with, with other industries. Um, but getting over that is the hard thing, getting over that fear, getting over that. One thing for me is, that's been difficult is the idea of perfectionism, is it has to be perfect. It has to work right away. It has to look ideal. It, it has to be flawless before you share it with the public, uh, before you, you give yourself to the public. So I, I, as a creative and, and as a creative that struggles in a, in, a, in a world that doesn't embrace creative as much as it could or should, in a city that doesn't embrace creative as much as it could and should, um, the idea that you can expose yourself and expose what you're you're working on and expose your heart to the world is a, a scary thing to do. Um, and that could be part of the lack of working together. Bridging that and coming, uh, overcoming that, I think, is a, a difficult thing that we need to work on first. Um, and as you do that, you can then be more likely to share with others and share your creative process with others, share your work with others, um, but realizing that you don't have to be perfect to share or to work together or that working together can get a more perfect product is also something to think about. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And so just real quick, we are, this is the museum of creative human arts artists talk. You know, we are all about, uh, inspiring the creation of art in underserved communities. Uh, and today we have Adam Drew King, technologist and man, super creative. Uh, so again, I appreciate you. Uh, coming on, but just had to say that real quick. So, man, when we're, we're talking about uh, creativity, talking about technology, uh, and, and with that being said, man, I was just listening to uh, Joe Rogan the other day, and he had uh, uh, Dr. Robert, I think his name is Robert Epstein, and they were talking mm-hmm. about Google. So I'm gonna be, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna play devil's advocate a little bit, um, and not get too political, but at the same time, just want to get perspective. 
That's all. And, and not trying to go too deep down the rabbit hole. When we talk <laughs> about access, although it's needed, how do we begin to have conversation about what this what this is doing in terms of privacy, in terms of uh, algorithms? What is it really doing? Is it doing, is it helping or is it hurting our communities, I would say? So one of the things that, that I've understood or I guess been enlightened to me in the work that I'm doing is there is a fear between most of our communities and technology. Um, there's someone watching me is something that I, I always hear. Or I'm not putting my information into that computer because I don't know who's going to be looking at it. Very understandable uh, fears. They're a little bit, uh, fr- they can be frustrating, I guess, to, to interact with because, I mean, you can get people knocking on your door, stealing from you just as easily as you could have someone on the internet. So that's a real, um, so that's a real thing? People worried about that? Yeah. So in terms of- thousand percent, yeah. Really? Really? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Huh. Um, but the thing is, you can do things to, to protect yourself. So just like anywhere, walking down the street, you can do things to protect yourself. Walking down the internet street, you can do things to protect yourself. Um, the thing is, is, what you do on the internet is, is like existing in any other system. You have uh, people that want to, to take advantage of you no matter where you are, no matter what you do. It's just a matter of minimizing those opportunities for people to do that kind of thing. Um, the algorithms that people hear about are things that make the internet more efficient so you doing uh, you going on Facebook? There are people that write algorithms to to understand your activity to make your activity more efficient. So you see certain things because you go to this website, or certain ads happen because you clicked on this thing, or uh, you use your email at a certain time of day. So your like your computer when you start typing in something, your computer brings that up because you start typing in. The issue is that we don't have enough people that look like us to write these algorithms. So there are people that have biases because they're naturally biased and we're all biased in certain ways. But if everyone that writes the code looks a certain way, comes from a similar background, you're always going to get those biased codes in your work or in your experience online. Okay. But if we had nothing but black coders, the experience would be the other way. We would have people with less biases against us. Um, and I don't mean, I'm not trying to say people are racist. Some people are, but not everyone is. Right. But if I've never experienced a certain thing, I'm the way I code will be a little bit biased against that because I've just never experienced it. Absolutely. So that's one of the reasons for the pushes to getting uh, people of color involved in coding more so that those biased algorithms aren't as experienced or aren't as prevalent as they, they have been. Okay. So with, with that being said, when you talk about we need more uh, a diverse, and I just won't say, I just won't say African-American. I, I'll say diverse. We need a more diversity yeah. in coding and algorithm. I mean, is it, am I saying it the right way in algorithm writing? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a code. It's a line of code that is an algorithm that, that, yeah, you're, you're getting it right. Okay. Okay. And so we need that. And so for, again, I'm, I'm always talking to the young people listening. How can they get involved What's a way or what's what's something that would be an identifier for someone to say, oh, you may be interested. In, this may be something that you're interested in. 
How can mm-hmm. I point them in the right? How can we point them in the right direction if they're interested in coding? How can they know? So anything that you do that involves some kind of digital technology or any kind of attitude you have towards that. So people that like processes, like if I do this, then that happens. Or how does a computer work? Or can figure out quickly how things work online. Those are the folks that usually have the highest aptitude to, to highest aptitude and interest in doing this kind of work. Um, it's basic problem solving, hyper, super focused type, uh, uh, problem solving is what happens if I do this? What happens if I do that? Then I do this. That's all it is. It, it's, a, it's designing processes for things to work. Gotcha. Um, so yeah, if you know anybody that's, that's taking things apart and putting things back together, those are the folks that you want to get involved in pushing in this kind of direction. Um, if you hand someone a, a anything if they can figure out how it works those are the kinds of people that want to that you want to push in this direction um folks that play video games a lot are folks that you want to get in this kind of direction um folks that do uh play instruments or produce music whether it be electronically or actual instruments those are the folks that tend to have this kind of aptitude and interest in doing this kind of thing um and to to throw out a, a, a quick hook the pay for coders is amazing um so you can be a programmer and make six figures pretty easily um might not be able to do it in cleveland as easily but if you're if you have the skills very very easily fifty thousand dollars and up in cleveland pretty quickly so it's it's a lucrative business as well and legitimate and it's only up from there and the more technology is, is that we experience in the world the more uh necessary these kinds of skills are are going to be and the more high-paying jobs are going to be as well. And there you have it. You're hearing from someone who's actually in the industry. You're talking about someone who has experience uh, in certifications, uh, not only through Microsoft, but also Google. We have Adam Mm -hmm. Drew King, and he's, you know, really giving you all information that in nuggets that are really helpful for the younger and also the the aspiring and also the, the one who's out there, who was at, who's in his career and thinking about changing uh, careers and, and just, I guess, realizing, oh, damn, I do like um, playing the video games or I do like technology, but this, this coding, huh, it's interesting. So where can they go if they were to pick up their laptop right now? Where can they go to kind of find out a little bit more about, uh, about coding and, and getting more uh, insight or education encoding. Yeah, so there's any number of places you can go to get uh, some some bites of what this is and how it is. Um, Udemy, U D E M Y, is a site that does uh, gives you some some samples of what coding is. Um, Udacity is another one. U D A C I T Y. Uh, Khan Academy has some things on there as well. Um, if you're in Cleveland, there's several boot camps. Um, we can code it. There's Tech Elevator. Uh, Case is doing a program. Tri-C is doing a program. CSU is doing a program. Cleveland State is doing a program as well. Um, but you can also learn yourself online. I mean, I, I was a self-taught coder for a while, and then I actually went to We Can Code It because I wanted to make sure I was doing it right. Um, but, yeah, there's, there's any number of places you can go. Um, I don't know if my email address was shared, but folks can reach out to me as well. I'm happy to, to work with folks and, and let people know where to go. 
Um, the one thing that I did want to share is coding is not necessarily just for uh, other people. So you can code for yourself. You can write your own programs and create your own apps. You can write your own programs and create your own websites. You can be at work and want to figure out how to make your job easier. Um, if you want to, I, I don't want to belittle it, but working in the fast food industry, there's things that you can do to make that job easier. And it doesn't have to be necessarily on a computer, but it can be things that are done on a computer. So how do I, how do I make this burger cook faster? How do I uh, make more fries at work? Like those kinds of things are things that you can create programs for to make your job easier. If you're in manufacturing, how do we make this, uh, how do we work less hard, but more efficient? Those are the things that you can decide, design and decide through programs. Um, it's not just about sitting on a computer and, and writing code for a website. It can be, how does this process that I have to do at work, how do I make that easier? So I wanted to make sure that it, was, it wasn't just folks that are, are sitting at a computer. It can be anybody figuring out how to do things easier. Um, just real quick, there's, there's an app that can actually help you plant your garden and tell you when your garden is, uh, the plants are ready to be harvested. Like that kind of thing. So a farmer decided I wanted to, and that's, that's not a joke, but that's legitimately really? the, the things that make things legitimate. It doesn't have to be how do I make this website better or how do I make that app faster. It can be things like gardening. This, there's an app that you can literally put in your, in your garden that tells you when your, uh, your uh, seeds are ready to be harvested, uh, when there's weeds in the, the garden. Like It can tell you all those things. Someone decided to design that because they wanted that process to be easier. Same thing with anything else. Is wow. there? You can make things easier for yourself wow. or for the industry. You can sell that app for hundreds of thousands, millions of dollars if you wanted to. Um, but yeah, so just I, I wanted to open that up. It, it makes things a lot easier to think about if you're not limiting yourself in what you're thinking about uh, creating. Hey, I'm not going to say anything else outside of what Adam just said. <laughs> that was that was some great information, and I hope that you all are really listening and, and, and also can go and do your own research after all the things that he's saying. But, you know, one thing that I, that I got from that is going into your thinking about going into your mind and saying, how can I make things more efficient, better, mm -hmm. and maybe something new that no one has mm -hmm. thought about or I shouldn't say haven't thought about, but hasn't executed. How can I, how can I do it? How can I be the next one? If you all want to get in touch with Adam, and you can go to Adam Drew King. You can correct me if I'm wrong. Adam Drew King at Outlook.com. It's A-D-A-M-D-R-U-E-K-I-N-G at Outlook.com. If you want to get in touch with him, uh, I know he, he speaks at a lot of on a lot of different panels and podcasts. And, uh, again, if you want to get in touch with him, that's the way to do it. Uh, and also, what is your uh, Instagram if you want them to follow you or, or Twitter or Facebook? <laughs> so I'm, I'm I'm bad on social media. Um, I'm I'm that old guy that doesn't always use it the best. Uh, but King Adam Drew is uh, Instagram and Twitter. Adam Drew King on Facebook. Uh, yeah, that's that's the, the easiest place to get in touch. Okay. I will respond. But I'm not. I, I don't post every day. I don't uh, tweet every day. Anything like that. But I do love to talk to people and anybody that has interest. I love to to share what I do know. I'd rather do that than most anything else. And kind of like your community building um, 
question is, that's how you build community is sharing what you know and talking to people and engaging people and, and answering their questions. Um, and I, I love doing that. I'd love seeing kind of the, uh, light bulb go off in folks heads and seeing them excited about something. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, that's where I, I get my happiest. Absolutely, man. I, I, so, uh, you can also go to adamdrewking.com if you want to just learn a little bit more about what he does and, yeah, who is this guy that is is speaking today? And so, uh, I I cannot leave this conversation without just talking about the the son, the dad, the husband, uh, the friend, and the the. But we've talked about the entrepreneur, but man, we're talking about a coder. We're talking about someone who's been in fashion. We're talking about someone who creates his own clothes. We're talking about someone who's a sneakerhead. Man, what's some what's some new <laughs> shoes? What's some new sneakers, man? You you you've just got you've just got that that people can say, oh, okay, so I see where he, I see where his mind is. <laughs> um. Wow. Uh, man, I put so you on the spot. It, I know it, you put. It. <laughs> no, you you have you have yeah, but that's fine. Um, if we're talking about technology, so I don't know. If, folks are, are old enough to know what Back to the Future is, um, but the self-lacing shoes they had in Back to the Future too. Um, Nike has, has uh, Nike brought those out a while ago, the Marty McFly's they were called, um, but they've been adding that technology in other shoes as well. So they have a couple pairs of basketball shoes that I've gotten that have self-lacing, self-lacing sneakers, uh, uh, laces on them. Um, the Jordan 11 just came out with one of those that has uh, self-lacing sneakers. Wow. Self-lacing uh, shoes. Um, that's the most recent one that I got that has any kind of technology involved in it. Um, <laughs> hold on, hold on, hold on. The, the we rich- can't just let that slide by. So when you say self-what now? Self-lacing. So you slip them on, you push a button, and then they tighten up around your foot. Um, so a coder actually wrote the program for that, but it knows the, the width and the length of your foot, so it fits it has a memory and that's part of the artificial intelligence that it, it knows your foot when you push the button and it tightens up to your foot. Wow. Um, yeah. And you push a button and it unlaces and yeah, it's unnecessarily uh, <laughs> a feature, <laughs> but it's, it's a cool feature. And my childhood watching back to the future. It's, it's something I, I had to get for nostalgia's sake. Ooh, okay. I understand. So now that, with, with what he just said is that, you know, that's where creativity will take you, where the mind will take mm-hmm. you, where someone said, you know, what What if the shoe did this? What if that? You know, going back to what Adam said earlier, you know, when you say, okay, what if this? How can I create something that will do that? Those types of ideas, that's, that's the part of critical thinking that is so important. That's the part of creativity that's so important that we that we really hone in on because you can be a part of, creating a change, a shift, or um, just be a part of a movement like the like how shoes are and just how this whole sneakerhead thing is it's just a thing now. Or not, I shouldn't say now, but has been. Um, but, yeah, yeah, I just wanted to show, show the cool that that Adam is, man. <laughs> so, I'm not, I'm not cool. I'm just a guy that, that <laughs> I, I know who I am and I embrace it, and that's that's just me. People love it or hate it, and that's completely fine. Um, but something you touched on that I, I wanted to, to emphasize that your thoughts and your dreams and your desires and your ideas 
can sound silly to folks. And if it sounds silly, it might just be silly enough to be a world-changing idea. If you would have asked someone 30, 40, 50 years ago about a shoe that laces itself, they'd laugh you out of the room. But now it's a thing that is a, a phenomenon. It's an idea that, that has changed people's lives for a number of different reasons. But imagine if you're disabled now. I can tie my shoe by pushing a button rather than oh, wow. bending down and tying my shoe. Oh, wow. Think about, yeah, think about uh, flying cars or self-driving cars. If someone said in the 40s or 50s that there's a car that's going to drive itself, you'd think they were crazy. Well, what about accidents? What about this? What about that? What about uh, all these things? And now it's a real-life thing. It's an industry that we're looking to get into completely. Um, there's going to be tax credits for people that, that switch to those kinds of things. Um, so don't let your idea, don't let people discount your ideas or talk you out of your ideas. Don't let people say that's, that's silly or that's stupid or that's foolish or that's anything because it might just be the thing that changes the world. It might be the thing that changes your life. It might be the thing that, that gets you accolades that you might want. Um, so don't let people talk you out of anything that you have in your head. Just, just figure out a way to do it and do it and try again until you, you succeed. Wow. That was perfect, man. And, um, I, I would definitely uh, want to have more conversation about AI, but we'll leave that for another episode. Uh, <laughs> man, this we can go down a rabbit hole with that. <laughs> a whole another rabbit hole. However, this yeah. is the Museum of Creative Human Arts Artists Talk, where we continue to inspire the creation of art in underserved communities. Adam, man, I appreciate you coming on today. And uh, just this and having, having a conversation, man, this was fun and uh, hopefully we can uh, we can come back and you'll jump on another episode where we start talking about AI and where it's going. It's scary, but yeah, let's let's do it. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So again, man, I appreciate you, and we are 